0: Well, Christianity is not just about what you believe, though it is about that. And Christianity is not just about what you do, though it is about that too. Christianity is also about what you treasure, what you love. If you treasure someone or something, you value it highly. It's precious to you. And your very heart is tied to it. Earlier we read what Jesus said in Matthew 6 when he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart, your very self, is tied to what you treasure." And I don't think it's a coincidence that just a couple of verse, verses later, Jesus also says that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So our treasure is tied to our heart, our very self, and our love is tied to the one that we serve. And all these things are tied together. What we treasure, what we love, or who we love, and who we serve. And Jesus also puts it this way. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. How is the kingdom of heaven Like that. The kingdom of heaven, which is the good news of God coming to save and reign for the blessing of his people, that kingdom, that good news is compared to a treasure a man would give up everything to possess. Knowing God, being in fellowship with God, is a priceless treasure but not everyone sees it that way. Some would rather have money or stuff. Others would rather have power or a position. And I think we'd all be kidding ourselves if we pretended like we'd never been tempted to value something more than Jesus. We all know that temptation. But we also know that what scripture says is true, that the real treasure is the everlasting God. Now, John 12 allows us a window into the hearts of several people around Jesus to see what they treasure. We know what they treasure because of what they say and because of what they do. I invite you to look there with me to John 12. Our focus this morning will be verses 1 through 11. And see as I read if you can pick up on who treasures what. John 12, beginning in verse 1, says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, "'Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor?' He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Now, this story, of course, reminds us of what happened not long before it, which is that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember, Lazarus and Mary and Martha were dear friends of Jesus. Jesus loved them. And uh, Lazarus fell ill and died. And then Jesus came, and after Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days, Jesus called to him and simply said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walked out of the tomb alive. And many of the Jews... As a result of how many people were following Jesus and the the signs and miracles that Jesus was doing, they wanted to put Jesus to death, and so he had gone away from Jerusalem for a time. But now in chapter 12, he has come back, and John tells us that this took place six days before the Passover. Now, here's what is significant about that. We are only about halfway through the Gospel of John, but we have already reached... The climax of Jesus' ministry in terms of the miracles he did with the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And in chapter 12, we have now entered the last week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. The six days before the Passover refers to the Passover when Jesus is going to die and be crucified. And then, of course, he will rise on the third day, and then John will tell us some of what happened after Jesus' resurrection. But from this point forward, we are drawing very near to the death of Jesus, to the crucifixion of Jesus, and then, of course, his resurrection as well. So this is happening just a few days before Jesus is going to die. And what we see here is that Jesus' friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they throw him uh, a a celebration meal, as it were. They they have a dinner in honor of Jesus because he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so Lazarus is there, and Jesus is there, and Mary and Martha are there. And at this dinner, verse 3 says that Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, And anointed the feet of Jesus. So they're honoring Jesus who raised Lazarus through this meal. But Mary goes beyond what anybody else at this little feast does. And she demonstrates how much she treasures Jesus more than money. By taking this expensive ointment, this expensive perfume, and pouring it out on Jesus' feet. And John tells us how expensive this ointment was when he says, uh, he quotes Judas saying in verse 4, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? Now you might have, like I do, a note in your Bible telling you what a denarii is, because that's not something that we use. But one denarius was essentially the equivalent of a day's wage for a laborer in that time. So 300 denarii is essentially a year's worth of work in one bottle of ointment now poured out on Jesus' feet. Mary clearly treasured Jesus more than money. And not only that, she treasured him more than her dignity. Notice that not only does she pour out this expensive ointment on his feet, but also in verse 3, John tells us that she wiped his feet with her hair. Now, when you pour out that much ointment on somebody's feet, you have to wipe it off somehow, right? But she doesn't use a towel or even a garment She uses her own hair, which also must have been precious and valuable to her. And she uses her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. Most of us don't want to touch somebody's feet with our hands, much less with our hair. But once again, Mary is demonstrating how much she loves, how much she treasures Jesus. Now Mary's not the only person in the room who treasured Jesus. No doubt Martha and Lazarus treasured Jesus too. But Mary has shown us in a dramatic and unforgettable way what a precious treasure Jesus is. If we treasure Jesus like Mary does, we don't object to what Mary's doing. We don't think why would you do this? That's such a waste. That's, you're overdoing it. We know that Jesus is worth whatever sacrifice anybody can give. But not everybody in that room did treasure Jesus. Judas was the opposite of Mary in that he treasured money more than Jesus. Judas, it says in verse 4 and verse 5, he was one of the disciples. He's about to betray Jesus. Not many days from now. And when he sees Mary do this, he does object. And his objection is, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now that sounds, at one level, like it could be a reasonable objection. Should we just be pouring this out on Jesus, which doesn't really accomplish much, when we could be doing something practical and tangible to help people who are in need. And Jesus, of course, cares for the poor. So it sounds at one level like a reasonable objection. But Judas doesn't really care about the poor. John tells us his real motivation for objecting to this in verse 6 when he says he said this not because he cared about the poor, But because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas, in essence, was the treasurer of Jesus' disciples. He was in charge of the money bag, and as he watched Mary... Pour out this expensive ointment on Jesus. He was not thinking about how precious and valuable and wonderful Jesus is. Instead, he was thinking, if you had sold that instead, I could have got my hands on some of it. Some of that money could have been mine. Because as the money passed through the money bag, some of it stayed in Judas's pocket. What he really cared about was not Jesus was not the poor but was money so much so that later he even betrayed Jesus himself for money john reminds us here that judas was jesus's betrayer and matthew tells us the circumstances actually the, the deal that jesus or that judas struck with some of the religious leaders, when it says, in Matthew 26, it says, one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now, Mary and Judas make an extreme contrast here. Mary, in a sense, pours out money on Jesus' feet in the form of an expensive ointment while Judas balks and eventually takes money in exchange for selling Jesus out to his enemies. But the contrast does not have to be that extreme. Most of us are never going to uh, pour out thousands of dollars for Jesus in one moment and most of us are not ever going to take money directly in exchange for somehow betraying Jesus but again it doesn't have to be that extreme Jesus told us quite simply that you cannot serve God and money you can only serve one so do you use money to honor God or is money your God? Those are our options. Mary's act is not one that we can repeat because Jesus is not here physically. But you can give generously and consistently to Jesus' work in the world. That's why we give to the church. Because the church is here to minister to the poor and take the gospel to those who have not heard it and uh, to encourage and build up believers. Uh, You can give to missionaries, you can give to the poor, you can, all kinds of ways you can honor Jesus with your money by giving to his work. Or do you, instead of that, refuse to part with anything more than just the change in your pocket or couple of bills you happen to have in your wallet? Who is your master? What do you treasure? Now, even as I say that, I know that it's inevitable that some of you who do give generously will still feel guilty that you don't give more and you'll, you'll think this is about you when it's not about you. The reality is even people who give generously will often feel like they are not doing enough, not giving enough, ought to give more. That's normal because we, we recognize the tug in our heart. We, we want to give. We want to honor the Lord. But we also need money and want to have money. Having money and using money are not bad. But which one consistently wins out? Do you give generously, even when there's a bit of a tug, saying you don't want to? Or do you regularly listen to the tug, saying maybe next time, maybe next month, maybe next year? Jesus reminds us, and this story shows us, that what we do Reveals our heart. Reveals what we treasure. But money is not the only thing that people put in place of Jesus. Uh, That's what Judas put in place of Jesus. But there's another group of people in the story that put something else in place of Jesus. It wasn't money. What they treasured was their place, their position, their nation. It reminds us in verse uh, 9 through 11 of the opposition that Jesus faced from the religious leaders. And not just Jesus, but even Lazarus now. It says that uh, when the large crowd, verse 9, of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So all these people are flocking to Jesus, and many of them want to see Lazarus too, because they've heard that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and they want to see it with their own eyes. But verse 10 says, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. That reminds us that at the end of chapter 11, the religious leaders had decided that Jesus had to die. And the reason he had to die is because so many people were believing in him, especially after doing a sign like raising Lazarus from the dead. So many people were believing in him. What they were afraid would happen is that the the following of Jesus would get so big and so intense that it would awaken the wrath of Rome, who would see Jesus as a threat to their rule over Israel. And so what would happen would then, Rome would come and crush that threat, and Israel would lose what little privilege they had left. They would lose their place, probably referring to their temple or their land, and they would lose their nation. And so Caiaphas, the high priest, said, you know what? It's a whole lot better that Jesus die than that we lose our place in our nation. A whole lot better that one person die for the nation than the whole nation be destroyed. Now, they're looking at putting Lazarus to death as well because they want to do whatever they can to preserve and protect what they love most which is their nation, and I think along with that, their power and position in it. That's what they love the most. So they decide to kill Jesus because they see him as a threat to what they love most, and they decide to kill Lazarus because they also see him as a threat to what they love most. So Judas loves money more than Jesus. The religious leaders love their place And probably their position more than Jesus. And then there's Mary. Now how much Mary knew of what was coming, John does not say. But Jesus does connect what she did, anointing his feet with this expensive ointment, to his coming burial. Verse 7. He says, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Or there's another... Reading, You might have a note like I do that says it, it could mean leave her alone. She intended to keep it for my burial. She set this aside for my burial. In whatever way, she meant it for the honoring of Jesus. And Jesus recognizes it as sort of an early anointing for his burial after his crucifixion. So Jesus connects her action to his impending death. And Caiaphas was right. Jesus would die for the nation. But not in the way that Caiaphas meant. Mary poured out out her ointment on Jesus' feet because she treasured him. She loved him. But even her love, as expensive and costly in a sense as it was, could not match the love of Christ. Because Jesus would pour out something even more precious in just a few days. Jesus would pour out his own blood also because he loved us. And it is his love for us shown in the pouring out of his own life that awakens in us a love for him so that we give to Him not just what we have, but our very selves as we trust Him and take up our cross and follow Him, whatever it costs. John tells us in another place that we love because He first loved us. If you try to conjure up a love for God, apart from knowing how much God loves you, you're going to have a hard time doing it. So how do we awaken or reawaken a love for Jesus in our own hearts? How do we cultivate a treasuring of Jesus in our own lives so that, like Mary, we're willing to give up something that costs us for His sake? It's by looking back and remembering how Jesus loved us, that he gave his very self for us, gave his life for us, though we were his enemies, though we were sinners, though we were dead in our transgressions and sins, that he loved us and showed that love by pouring out his life, that we might have life in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us, the love of your Son for us, and we ask, God, that you would stir up in us a greater love for Jesus. We confess, God, that at times our our love waxes and wanes, sometimes it Feels like it's barely there. Sometimes it runs deep and full. Sometimes that river feels dry. We pray, God, that even now you would fill us by your Spirit with love for Jesus as we remember how he loved us. And we ask. For your help and your grace in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Barbara's going to come and